Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy weekend, everybody. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. I think we have a great show for you today. I am joined uh, via Zoom these days, of course, the norm, uh, by Peter Mullen of a American Consumer Credit Counseling. Peter has been on our show several times now before. Thanks. Um, happy to have you back. Welcome. Good morning. Well, thank you. It's great to be back. Good. Uh, I, I had a kind of a, I was off for a little while with my job. I was furloughed like a lot of folks, but I'm back in the saddle again. So I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm happy to hear that. When I received your communication many months ago about the furlough, I was disappointed and, and um, mm-hmm. uh, welcome, you know, happy to receive that email that you were back and, and um, immediately invited you onto the show because I just think it's the information that you have um, is just so timely given, you know, mm. high rate of unemployment and, you know, of course mm. the pandemic and, and people worried about uh, finances uh, potentially. So, um, so happy to have you. Um, Good to be here. So Peter and I are going to talk this morning about um, rebuilding your financial life as a hardship. Um, and we can sort of take that in so many different directions. Um, but I, that's what I wanted to focus on because obviously for, for many people, um, this has been a time of, uh, well, certainly economic uncertainty, but, but, you know, uncertainty potentially about, you know, their, their, their employment, their, the future of their employment, you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. people, uh, lots of people worried about money in general, worried about the markets, worried about, mm-hmm. um, you know, savings and, and taking on debt. And, you know, we have high unemployment. Uh, not as high as it was, you know, la- earlier last year, but um, right. it's just it's just an uncertain time for a lot of people, and we don't really know when we're going to be through this. Um, mm-hmm. So, so again, thank you. Do you want to give? Do you want to just take a minute or so and do a quick um, background or a quick bio? <clears throat> sure. Uh, first, thanks very much for inviting me to join you again. It's always a pleasure to not only chat with you, but I like the fact of just having folks, you know, tell me what's on their minds and do the best I can to provide, like, uh, direction or at least some ideas. I'm not always going to have the answers, but 
to be able to, to uh, direct people in, in positive things. Yeah. I work at uh, a nonprofit in Newton. It's called American Consumer Credit Counseling. My two roles are largely to provide financial presentations. And up until COVID, I was a traveling trainer uh, with my two colleagues. And we traveled all over Mass and New England to deliver the good word of financial discipline all over the place. And my second role is counseling largely. So sometimes at the site, we would break off for two or three hours after a presentation and provide one-on-one counseling. So counseling and presentations are our main uh, stock in trade. I'm a financial coordinator for communities. And uh, so I work with all kinds of schools, churches, prisons, uh, businesses, you name it. I'll go anywhere that they want to talk about financial stuff. And I think um, you and I met as a result of the money fair that we do at the Marsh at Marshfield mm-hmm. High School because your wife is a teacher there, right? That's, and that's correct. How we she go- was a teacher. She's not now, but she, yes, we had a lot of connections through that. Yeah. And I still would love to go to your fairs if you have them. I assume you're going to do course. a virtual one or something. I, we were just, um, my yeah. friend Ashley, who's the teacher there yeah. at the high school, was mm-hmm. was just doing a webinar about transitioning the event virtual. So we have no concrete plans for this year. But <laughs> uh, if we do something, um, if we did something in person, it would be likely next year. But hopefully we can deliver yeah. some content um, to the seniors this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we digress. So, so again, Peter yeah. Mullen, American Consumer Credit Council. Counseling. Um, if you're listening uh, in Marshfield this morning or in the South Shore this morning, 781-837-4900. Happy to take your calls and answer any questions um, that you have. But we wanted to talk about, um, I guess, just good financial habits in general, but but really focusing on, you know, if this has been or if it will be a period of financial hardship for you, what do you, mm-hmm. you know, how do you rebuild after that? What things to focus right. on? How do you pull yourself out of it and not make things worse? Um, because yep. you and I know that the earlier you can better your financial habits and your situation, the the much mm-hmm. better off you'll be um, long-term. So, um, and, and one of the main concepts that we stress to the young people when we do the, the money fair and, and when I do um, when I when I have conversations with young people just in general that you know the 20 and 30 somethings that I meet is just kind of like you got to start this early because you'll be so Absolutely. happy that you did um, later in life mm-hmm. um, so I just you know sort of before we get into what do you do you know mm-hmm. we're going to talk about checking credit and creating a budget and paying down debt and prioritizing and stuff like that but right. um, I just was pulling some information and some statistics regarding uh, the pandemic in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I didn't chat about this, but I was just kind of doing this this morning. I just, I was looking into, well, first of all, what is unemployment now? Where has it been? But also um, I was doing a little bit of research regarding um, the st- where people are financially now, broadly speaking, of course, you know, everyone's situation mm-hmm. is different, but so just a couple things. So, um, unemployment actually right now isn't incredible, is not incredibly high. It's about six and a half percent. That's the last statistic I saw. That's right. it, mm-hmm. it hovered about 4% for a long time before the That's pandemic. Correct. Um, so it's not a, a whole lot higher than that. Um, but it did reach something like 14% or more it- back in April. Actually, around 16. Six, so was it, it went, 16? I, I remember the numbers. There is something. You're exactly right. I agree that it was started out around four yeah. in January, went up to around 16, and then now has gone back to around six or seven. Depends on your state. Yeah. That you're in. And, and, I, and I, you know, I've, I've sort of, of course, done a lot of thinking about this as you know mm-hmm. for all of 2020, and and um. I, I will say, and I've said this on the air so many times, I will say that I think the federal government has just done, has done a great job with, with I don't know if I want to use the word propping the economy, but like they've done a great job helping people get through this and making sure it doesn't get a whole lot worse. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I get, you know, the thinking is let's spend money now to, to help people through this. So it doesn't, right. so it doesn't get worse and cost the, the, the uh, Americans more money later to fix mm-hmm. a, pro, you know, a, a, a worse problem. So, um, you know, I think this, the two stimulus that we've had and, and likely a third one coming, um, I yeah. think that's done a great job helping people certainly mm-hmm. emotionally and financially 
successfully um, through the through these hard times. So I think kudos to them, and I and I I would not want to be in a position of decision making and power right now. I think mm-hmm. that that's really really difficult stuff, but um, I think that they've done a great job. So first of all, unemployment is n- not incredibly high. Of course, you know some mm-hmm. some businesses back open, of course, but but also yeah. with the um, with the PPP and and these things that mm-hmm. the government has done to help businesses pay, you know, keep their employees on payroll um, mm-hmm. has certainly been very helpful in that regard in keeping mm-hmm. unemployment relatively low. Hope, hopefully that continue. I, I continues, mm-hmm. excuse me, I guess remains to be seen. Um, I also was, I was just poking around, I was poking around at, um, you know, some studies that were done after the first stimulus. And have, and have you looked at, um, like the Wall Street Journal did an article a few days ago about, um, uh, what what did people do with the first stimulus checks? Of course, the mm-hmm. first stimulus checks were the larger ones, 1,200 per person, 500 per kid. Right. The second <laughs> ones were smaller. Um, but they, they did an article just a few days ago that um, something like 29, only about 29% of the stimulus checks were spent. Actually, I should, I'm gonna caveat that in a minute. 29% of the first stimulus checks were spent. 36% were saved and 35% were used to pay debt. So I guess that's technically that's spent in my opinion. But but a, but a pretty good uh, amount of people were able to save that money. We, we, mm-hmm. You know, of course, people have had a really hard time spending money, you know, in the last yep. nine months that's or true. so. So, so that's, that's right. not surprising, but, um, you know, I, I just, I think that that's interesting. I think it's wonderful. And I think that people are, you know, uh, uh, many people are sort of <clears throat> scared enough to, to be banking cash mm-hmm. because they're not mm-hmm. sure what's going to happen. And will they yep. continue to be employed? What, what happens when unemployment goes back down? We've had some bumps in unemployment mm-hmm. the last year. Um, so I think it's really fantastic that, um, well, not fantastic that people can't go out and spend money and, and do the things that they, that they normally would do and enjoy, of course, but, yep. but nice that they're building themselves a little kitty just in case, mm-hmm. uh, things change. Um, so I, I think that that was really sort of reassuring to read that. Go ahead. So, so here's some things you make me think of right from the beginning, Alyssa, which I think is is probably true of all your audience and true of probably a lot of America. Uh, it's funny; it made me just think of a quote. I think it's from the Bible. You know, God God makes it to rain on everybody. You know, the just and the unjust. They all, you know, everyone gets rained on. Okay. So, what yeah. the analogy I'm using is the government gave out the $1,200 checks to everybody or lots of folks, yeah. and some people clearly need it. And some people clearly don't need it. So you definitely had different habits that came out. I think the target of this audience today, as we talk today, is a lot of the folks who are in the side of, hey, they had to use that right away. There's still, you know, roughly from the numbers you gave, like one third of the the folks out there aren't yet employed. They still haven't fully made up. And so there's still a lot of people who are facing financial hardships now. We haven't gotten out of the water yet. We're getting there. The the trends that you said about the uh, unemployment is an indicator, but it means that there's still, let's think about those who did in fact have hardships and are still in them. I think there's, that's where I think a lot of discussion and and help still is needed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like, you know, along those lines on, on one hand, like I've, I've known some people. So the first stimulus package that came out uh, Mm -hmm. almost a year ago now. So back in March, end of March, 2020 bumped on almost doubled unemployment weekly for people Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so max was 855. They bumped it It was 600 per, an extra 600 per week, right? For for a few months, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So on one hand, I, you know, I would chat with some people who would say, I'm Mm -hmm. actually taking home more money now on unemployment than I was when I was employed. I was one of those. Yeah. And, but so on one, so, (laughs) which, which is great, but you know, uh, on, on, on one hand though, those, you know, had those people 
been continuing to contribute to their 401k, for example. Like the take home is different. You know, there's that difference yeah. too because people, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully at least were contributing to retirement and then switched to unemployment and they're not. And, and those benefits are so great. So allowed a, a bunch of people to bank money. But then, um, and, all, and also the federal, the government did a good job by uh, by opening up unemployment for the self-employed, who were, which was not right. an option before, which was, That's right. you know, wonderful for some you know, sm- yep. uh, sole proprietors and, and, and things like that. So, so yep. really, really great. And, um, you know, on the other hand, then there's, you know, people like waitresses, for example, who, who, mm-hmm. you know, have very little declared wages and really living right. on tips and what was their unemployment, you know, benefit was yeah. really small and, um, you know, so, so really awful stuff here. So anyway, I, I just thought some yeah. of those statistics were interesting about how many people were able to save money and, um, and, and, for, and actually in 35% using the money to pay down debt you know, I, it's, I, great. I, it's, it's reassuring that that's a, that's a, yep. in my opinion, a great use of that money so that, you know, the, so, those debts don't get worse, et cetera. So it makes me think of one other thing too, which for me is, as I said, my role is, uh, as I, and I use the kind of the religious, uh, analogy of this, I was preaching the good word of financial savings and austerity and discipline and having some money and all, all the good things to do up until, you know, January of 2020. And I've been doing that for a couple of years. And I, and I always kind of wonder in retrospect how many people listened about the things that can happen, such as I'll go back a little bit. Two years ago, we had the federal government shut down for 35 days. Yep. And a lot of people didn't get paychecks for you know a month, month and a half. Yep. And then they came to realize, and we all came to realize, that I think the number I recall this in my head is somewhere like 57% of Americans didn't have, couldn't come up with a thousand dollars if they had to. Yeah. More recently, that number is actually now, um, like put it the other way, only like 39% of America can come up with a thousand. So it's actually gone kind of the wrong way. A lot of people are not, don't have a cash reserve Yeah. when you look at it as a whole. So um, you know, I, I'm sure there are some people that's in, you know, who were in my classes in December, wish they had listened about putting money aside. But that's the, the point being is we never do know what's ahead. And so for us to talk today about some fiscal uh, habits, you know, it's going to have to come back down to in one way, shape or form people who, you know, all people have to have some reserves somewhere yeah. because the unknown is there both on a federal level and COVID is a good example. Um, there's things like um, that, of course, what happens to us personally, your own, your car, your car breaks down, the water heater blows out in your basement. Um, you know, your kid all of a sudden breaks a tooth. You have to take care of that. Deductibles are often higher and higher because people can't afford it. So how mm. do you come up with the first thousand bucks to pay the deductible. So the demands are still high on the having money ready. And kind of our mission, I think, today is to still talk about not only people who come from disaster. I mean, there's all, I hate to say it, there's lots of them to choose from. But in the end, what can they do about it? What are some of the tips and what are some of the hopes? And I, we can talk about that today. Yeah. I remember that statistic about how many Americans could come up with money for an emergency. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it was the Wall Street Journal like a year or two ago that did that article. And I think, well, the, the journal's article was something like, yeah, some some huge percentage of Americans, whether it was 60 or 80% yep. couldn't come up with, I think it was like an $800 emergency. Yep. And I remember talking to the high school kids kids about that. Mm -hmm. And because Mm -hmm. I think that article had just come out and then we did the money fair a week or two later. And I was just trying to impress upon them. Do you know how many things cost more than $800 that can come up in your adult life? Adulting is hard, right? Do you know how, especially when you're a homeowner, when you have kids, when you, you know, have a vehicle, you know, it's just, there's so Mm -hmm. many, you and I could list 50 things Uh, in a minute that, you know, that cost more than $800. Hundred dollars, and that yeah, that was a very scary statistic. Yeah. A good statistic, however, Peter, is part of the 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 uh, article that I was quoting a moment ago from the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal regarding um, the first stimulus checks and how many people you know what what percent saved versus spent. As part of that same article, um, sa- they indicated that savings rates <clears throat> through the first three quarters of 2020 mm-hmm. savings rates were. Uh-huh were double 
what they were before on for on average for Americans. So people yep. saving yep. almost twice, a lot of people, of course, uh, saving almost twice as much money as they had the year prior. Um, so yep. that's a that's a good statistic, maybe a little contradictory to something that you recently saw. Of course, that's you know that's just yeah. one poll of one you know percentage of Americans. But um, well, well, I think it's I think it's almost parallel to a second, and I hate to bring us back to this, but our parents went through the depression, right? Our our grandparents yeah. went through the depression. Yeah. <laughs> and think of what it taught them and what they came out of it with when they were faced with that in World War II. A lot of them had to save whether they wanted to or not. You know, I still have like balls of string and tacks and all kinds of nails and things my father saved from World War that time frame. Really? Because, you know, just all kinds of things. Because I, I still use them in my workshop. But I'm just saying a lot of them, their origin was the savings that they were kind of forced upon them when they had these austere times. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, I'm going with you saying one of the silver linings of this whole time is that people, I think, are coming out and will come out of this. Number one, you will come out of this. Number two, a lot of people coming out of it with a different attitude about things. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the spend until you drop, you know, spend until you drop attitude is beginning to go away and recognizing, hey, that that Peter was right back in the end of this nineteen, two thousand nineteen, that I should have a reserve fund in case. Yeah. So I think that's gotten through to a lot of the generations. Yeah. Not everyone. Not everyone, yeah. but certainly a lot of folks. Yeah. So I, I think, so let's just talk for a few minutes about cash and what to do okay. with it. Because yes, I think there are certainly people out there that are saving good money right now because unemployment yep. has been good, et cetera. Um, certainly some some people that have continued to be employed, some industries had great growth in 2020 and some people made great mm-hmm. money, you know, on the flip side. And, and um, so, so on one hand, lots of people saving cash. On the other hand, interest rates, almost zero. People looking at their cash balances and being Mm -hmm. totally bored by the interest rate they're receiving and they're seeing money Mm -hmm. that's not working for them. They're also seeing a market that's doing really, really well. For the most part, we had some bumps, you know, in the road, but it's very tempting for people to, to, to look at their surplus cash and look at the market returning. What did we end up at 18? The U.S. market returning, what, 18% in 2020, um, despite a crazy downturn February to March. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's very tempting for people to want to do something with that cash. And I've actually had people, you know, sort of... I, I've, I've had people impl- have invested money or want to invest their money and mm-hmm. still want to look at that as their emergency yep. fund, even though it's invested. Yep. And that is a huge no-no in my opinion. And Absolutely. I'm sure you would agree. that Totally if, agree. Yeah, if you have money invested, mm-hmm. you know, e- yep. e- even if it's in like a bond portfolio, that those, yep. those portfolios can have bad years too. Granted, not as bad yep. as a stock portfolio, but especially if you have any of your monies invested in like a stock portfolio, even if it's outside yeah. of a retirement account, just in like a, an investment account, a brokerage mm-hmm. account, that's not emergency cash because no. when you need it, it's going to be down 30 or 40%. And you don't want to yeah, have absolutely. to take it out at that time because that's even more <laughs> painful. Um, yeah. You know, so so risking the dip for, for emergency cash, it needs to be cash. It needs to be, needs to be liquid. liquid, savings, money markets, yep. CDs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, yeah, stuff, uh, very short term CDs, stuff like that that um uh but or very short-term bonds i should say um but it you know and and again even if Mm -hmm. even if you're bored and even if you're depressed looking at that almost zero percent yield on your cash you need your cash to be cash and if it's invested that's not your emergency cash yeah yeah i i would build on this and try to look at more the, the the glass half full on this which is the interest rates, you're right. They, they aren't exciting or stimulating right now. But that's not the real reason why you need the cash set aside. So right. get the focus on the, the cash itself is kind of a liquid vehicle for you. It's a safe hatch, right? Uh, I have another analogy. It's like the spare tire in your car. Mm-hmm. Think for a second of driving your car. And if you don't have a spare, think of how aggravating that is to try. And then what do you do to try to get one? Yeah. The spare tire is this thousand two thousand whatever that might be sitting somewhere forgetting about the interest it's the fact that that gives you some freedom some liquidity 
and it gives you the chance to make up for one of the above things we've talked about. Or I'm sorry, there's many others that could eat that money. Yeah. But it, it gives you a choice that you don't have without it. Right. So here's another thought for your for your listeners, which is if you don't have money set aside, even if it makes zero interest, if you have no money, I'm sorry, if you have no money, you're not making any interest. <laughs> but if you have no money, you you don't have the ability to absorb absorb a shock. Yeah. And if you had to, think of your alternatives. What can you do when you have to raise a thousand and you have zero money? What can you do? You can go to your credit cards, start pulling them up, yeah. raid your 401k, go to a loan shark, go go to your brother-in-law and see if he'll give you some money, uh, go to your mother, see if she can give you some money. I mean, it's like yeah. all your alternatives are not the greatest. Sell sell I some know. of your assets at a loss because you're forced to sell. Yeah. I've got a fantastic baseball collection, but now i got to <laughs> sell them off. I mean, and I'm going to get pennies on the dollar. I know. All right, we got, we, got to, we got to take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking about rebuilding your financial life after a hardship. We're going to be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy weekend, everybody. I'm joined this morning by Peter Mullen of American Consumer Credit Counseling. Welcome again. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, Yep. And uh, we are talking about... um, well, we've been talking about the hardship and the the economic uh, situation, but we really wanted to focus today on rebuilding your financial life mm-hmm. after a hardship. Where to start? What do you do? So let's start getting into yep. the meat of that. But before we do, just real quick, um, Peter, uh, your the website is consumercredit.com. Is that right? America? No. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's it's consumer credit. It's it's consumercredit.com. Okay. You can go to our website and I'll just make a quick thing of what we do. Yeah. The main thing that I'm one of the like I said, three traveling trainers, but the bulk of what we do there and our counselors do is any of your callers can call in for or email to get in for free financial counseling. They will do free financial consulting and counseling with your clients. Talk an hour, talk two hours about their situation. What they will do is collect information with them and that it's all free. But it may lead to some solutions of which they may buy some services from yeah, us. Yeah, okay. That's and I, it. That's and the I, main thing. Yeah, and it, it's, in my opinion, such a wonderful service. Um, yep. I forget, is are, are you partially federally funded or state funded? I forget. What, no, no, it's just all no, if, if no, you proceed um, with it, loan I consul- believe it's yeah. state funded, but it's largely through sponsors and largely uh, okay. through the credit card companies. Because what we do is we help people consolidate, or I should say, help to manage their unsecured debt. Okay. So that's all their credit card debt is the kind of our main gravy that okay. we do okay. is helping people consolidate their debt and we work on the other end with the creditors and they're the ones strangely enough who pay our bills right the, the american express and the big uh, credit guys on the other side got Bank it of america. okay and we're going to get into some options a little bit later in yep. the show about Absolutely. about what b- options for people that have uh, amounts of debt that they can't handle exactly. um okay so what we wanted to start where like where do you start when you have you gone through this period of financial hardship and you know hopefully you, yep. you know you come out of it and you're reemployed and 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 then you're like okay what yep. do I do I'm so overwhelmed this is such a bad mm-hmm. situation what do I do so so number 1 check your credit report I think we sort of agreed is that like your one of your first step work to rebuild your credit well, I, I would say that credit is certainly one, one of the first things, but I would back up even one step prior to that. Okay. And that would be as a counselor, I would want to understand more about your situation as how you got to where you are, because it makes a difference as to if you got here, let's just think of some examples. You got here because you lost your job. You have no money coming in. That's yep. one scenario. You got here because you are an obsessive spender and you spend and spend and spend and you run up your credit cards and you're, you're buried in credit card debt. Yeah. You got here because of the pandemic and you are laid off from your job. Or There's different things. Bankruptcy, I hate to say it, but foreclosure, a divorce. Yeah. Be, knowing some of those things up front and we're not trying to pry, it's by think of it almost like that's the... That's the illness, and we're trying to then provide some some kind of a medicine that kind of goes with it. So, yes, now that we've begun to understand you're here because you lost your job and now you got your job and you're trying to dig out of debt, 
absolutely credit is one of the, I consider, one of the biggest tools for almost all users. And they should be doing this anyways, good or bad finances. You should know what your credit report. Did we lose Peter? Oh, okay. Can you hear me though? Oh, okay. All right. I think we just maybe ran into a technological issue. I don't know if it's my Wi-Fi or Peter's. Oh, it must be his because you can't hear him either, Tim. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, we're talking with Peter Mullen, American He's frozen Consumer in time. Credit Counseling. I'm sure he will work out his uh, tech issues and hopefully join us again in a few moments because, well, I hope so anyway, because I can talk, you know, a sort of a basic level about credit and how to check your credit, but I can't uh, get into as much detail as he can. But I think the points that he was just making are, um, you know, quite valid and um, you know, uh, where, so what he was trying to get into is there, there's a difference between, um, you get your, if you get into a financial hardship because of poor habits, those habits will need to be corrected before you can pull yourself out of the hardship. And that's very different from getting into a tough financial situation because of, you know, a loss of a job or, an, un, you know, a, a large medical expense or, uh, you know, some, um, you know, personal issues, divorce, et cetera. Um, but, you know, if, if it's, if you're getting yourself into financial trouble because of poor habits, in other words, just spending more than you take home, um, then then you, you're not going to be able to pull yourself out of that until you can correct the habits and, and, and reverse that behavior. And, you know, some people ask me, you know, how, how do I, you know, there are people that sometimes express to me, I, you know, I have this problem, I'm spending too much money, I know I sp I'm spending more than I make, what do I do? And I can't, I, I can't help someone with that. That's just, you have to do it. I mean, we're, we're going to talk a little bit later today about budgeting, et cetera, and how to, how to sort of uh, start the budgeting process and how to use that as a tool to work yourself out of a financial hardship. But um, really at the end of the day, if, you're, if your financial behavior isn't, is poor, you know, in that you're spending more than you're taking home, um, other than some, you know, uh, some guidance and, and, and support, uh, you know, emotionally, you're really the only one that can pull yourself out of that situation. So I think that's where Peter was going when he started talking about, you know, before we talk about how to rebuild your credit, let's evaluate the, the problem and figure out if we can even take steps to, um, to solve it. So hopefully Peter will join us back on the air because 80 minutes is going to be a long time for me to fill solo here. <laughs> I might be sending the SOS to my husband, Kirk, so that he could jump on the Zoom here in a moment. But um, so hopefully he'll jump back on and we can talk about, um, you know, where, what are the resources? I, you know, there, there's, um, I think it's annualcreditreport.com. Peter can help, but there, you know, you, you are able to check your credit um, once a year from the three crediting agencies and, um, you know, start, taking steps to, you know, if your credit has suffered as a result and start taking steps to um, rebuild the credit. So, gosh, I hope he jumps back on. Um, in the meantime... Uh, I believe it is freecreditreport.com. Thank you, Tim. I, went, I, I typed in what you said and it said error 404. Interesting. So <laughs> freecreditreport.com. Yes. That's right. And I'm, I believe it's once a year you can check your credit with all three reporting agencies and pull a... And I don't actually know if you can pull a record or if you, report or if you can just check your score. It says you can get a free credit report and your FICO score. Oh, okay. So all right. Interesting. Part of Experian. Yeah. Um, I'll digress a little bit on the, on the subject of credit and building credit. Um, you know, one of the ways, you know, Peter's the expert in this regard for sure, but I know of course, one of the ways you can, um, start rebuilding your credit is to just, is to, you know, start re just remake, you know, making timely payments to on your bills, on your, um, on your credit cards, start working down credit card balances if you have them. Um, and, and, uh, the more credit you have available to you, like open line of credit um, will improve your credit score. In other words, if you have your credit cards maxed out, obviously that's worse for your credit score than if you have your credit cards paid off, but an ability to borrow on those credit lines. So working down balances um, in addition to just, you know, paying your, reverting back hopefully to paying your bills on time will we'll, uh, slowly, actually, I don't, I, Peter is the expert and I, I would be interested to see how quickly um, some of these things help to build people's credit scores back. Um, but interestingly enough, side note a little bit, my coworker um, 
Deanna, which I don't know if she was just poking around reading some news the other day and just forwarded something to me on the subject of um, of 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 young people, teenagers, et cetera, building credit. Um, and she just sent me this article about like the five best credit cards for your teenager. Um, and and it, she, I, I just think that's an interesting, and we were just having this uh, conversation about that would be a great radio show topic. So I'm going to put it on the schedule to do like a, um, uh, I'll broaden it, of course, and we could do a show on like how to how to raise a financially uh, astute teenager, or um, how you know how to raise your kids to be financially responsible, or something like that. And um, you know, Peter and I were saying earlier in the show that you know, of course, the earlier that you can build good financial habits the better off you'll be. You got to start this stuff early in life. Even if like when you're a teenager and in your tw- in your twenties, it's, it's, um, I don't think that you grasp the importance of it, but, but you know, that's why we have parents that can help us and teach us, um, you know, the importance of these things. But anyway, I'll, I put that on the schedule for, I forget if it was March or April to do some sort of a, um, you know, a, 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 a show regarding, how can you help? How can you help to raise financially responsible kids? Um, because you know, one one of the important things is that when you're just starting out early in life, can be when you're a teenager, um, or can be when you're in your twenties and you have your first job, for example. Um, how important it is to start building credit early in life so that you can have yourself positioned to buy that first house when you want it, or, or take a car loan when you when you need to, and um, you know, and and building a little bit of credit early on is just so important. So, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that later on, but, um, geez, I hope Peter jumps on. Is that him on the phone? Anyway. Um, all right. I've, I'll, I'll move on. Hopefully Peter will, uh, jump back on either via phone or via, um, Zoom and can help us with some of the more credit specific things and rebuilding. Um, but I wanted to get into, um, one of the things that's so important when you are trying to, it's so important in general, but specifically so important when you're trying to better your financial situation is paying attention to where your money goes. And I hate using the word budget. I much prefer expense itemization or quite simply just paying attention to what you're spending and where is so, so, so important. And I will, Peter was using all sorts of analogies earlier. So I'm going to use an analogy because um, I think this is very similar to like if you're trying to lose weight, for example, or better your health, um, one of the, 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 the most basic things you can do, I think in that regard, is just start paying attention to what you're eating in terms of, um, you know, I've gone through periods of time, generally I pay attention to, you know, not necessarily calories, but you know, how many grams of protein and carbs and how, how many servings of vegetables and things like that. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but if you just like start paying a little bit of attention, I think that goes a long way. And I think that's I- I- exactly the same in the world of finance, where if you even just start paying a little bit of attention to, you know, uh, what you're spending in broad categories or where your money is going. I think it just, it goes a long way to improve a financial situation. Many people, certainly many people go through life and, you know, just, you know, make enough money and don't really need to, um, and, you know, go through life without ever having to pay attention or put a budget together, uh, or an expense itemization, I should call it. And, and, and that's wonderful, but there's a lot of people who, um, could, could much better their situation if they just started paying a little bit of attention. Um, so, you know, sometimes I meet people and, and they're just so daunted by this task of creating a budget. Um, and again, I, and I, and I hate that word. So I first am like, you know, okay, let's not call it that. We're just going to try to categorize your expenses. We don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily going to say you have to stop spending in XYZ category or you have to cut back. That's on you to determine once you look at the numbers. Everyone has their own life and own values and, 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 um, you, you know, you get to make that decision. But what happens is, um, 
when people start paying attention and start adding up the numbers in terms of how much did I spend? Well, not really this this past year, but you know, in years past, most people would kind of, how much did I spend dining out last year? And that's just one of those things where, you know, you're spending 50, 100, 150 bucks here and there. But if you're doing it very frequently, that can really add up over the course of the year. So that's just an example of, you know, not that there's anything wrong with eating out. And certainly we should all be trying to eat out and support our local restaurants these days. Um, but that's just an example of a category that really sneaks up on you. And if you just start if you just start paying attention, if you go through that exercise of adding it up for even six months or, or better yet, 12 months, um, you know, the, the numbers sort of might, might scare you a little bit into, um, into changing your behavior a little, even if it's just, you know, cutting back a little bit in that regard doesn't mean you can't do it anymore, of course. But um, so what I wanted to spend a few minutes on is just, you know, what I think is kind of basic stuff, but I... I just, I think that people are intimidated by this whole process of itemizing their expenses and rightfully so, because, you know, if, if you're anything like my family, we have just line item after line item after line item of spending on the credit card and the bank account, you know, and, and it's, um, it can be, it, it's just like information overload, but there's a lot of resources out there in terms of apps you can have on your phone or your iPad or softwares that you can download, um, um, websites that you can use to help you, um, you know, group these things together and do the math for you. There's a ton of budgeting apps. I have not played around with all of them. Um, I, I, my advice to people is, you know, just search budgeting app in your app store and find one that looks visually pleasing to you. Read the reviews and and give it a try. The only way to, you know, see if you like it is is to really give it a try. So um, there's a lot of Help, there's a lot of help in that regard, but I think just the easiest thing to do is literally just sometimes to either get a spreadsheet or a white lined piece of paper and just start writing it down. Um, and I think the best way to approach it is to just break down your essential expenses. And I would, you know, some of the things that I um, actually went through my, the version of the budget worksheet that I um, give to clients just as a starting point. It doesn't matter to me how clients go through this exercise, but um, I pulled, you know, over the years, I've just sort of put together a list of the broad categories where most people spend their money and it just kind of serves as a template for um, starting this exercise. So, um, oh, Peter might be back. Well, his, his video is back. I'm not sure we have his audio. We do have his audio? <laughs> hey, you back with us? I am. Is my, is my audio there? Yes, it is. I think you were on mute for a second, but you are back now, which is great because I was really struggling there on the credit stuff and I jumped right ahead to start budgeting. And, uh, All right. Um, no, but well, I'm What did, what did I'm you cover you without me? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, Maybe I could pick up where I left off and, and yeah. then we can go from there. Yeah, so. that's fine. I, I was okay. starting to talk about the, you know, the importance okay. of, um, you know, rebuilding credit and Tim yeah. and I, Tim and I, between the two of us managed to find <laughs> freecreditreport.com yeah. and, uh, and those things. And I sort of was talking about, um, you know, just little things that you can do to improve yeah. your credit and pay your bills on time cool. and, you know, pay down balances, et cetera. So, yeah. and then I didn't have you and then I started moving on to budgeting, but certainly plenty of time okay. for that in the show. So let's, well, I do want to cover credit. Let's just go back to credit for yeah. a moment. And um, again, we were last, I think, talking about the value and the importance of a credit report. Yeah. So just to clarify a couple things, it's annualcreditreport.com. Oh, I thought... Don't, yeah. don't accept any alternatives. Oh, okay, okay. There's, there's lots of, I hate to tell you, and we are going to talk later if we have time about identity theft. There's a lot of scummy people out oh. there trying to rip off your money who change websites by one letter yeah. or do mm -hmm. things like, you mm -hmm. know, annualcreditreports.com oh. and they catch enough people in their web. So be very careful on that. But the main thing is all folks in terms of advice should absolutely know what their credit reports tell about them. And in this pandemic time, the good news is annual credit reports Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion provide one free report, not scores, 
And they don't provide scores for free generally. Uh, We'll get to that. But in this pandemic world, they're doing it once per week. Oh, wow. You can keep up constantly of where do I stand? Now, why do you need this? Because the credit report is is an amalgamation of these bureaus and I have contention about them and who put them in charge, but they are powerful bureaus that take everything that has to do with your credit, your loans, your, your do you pay your bills? Uh, what have you borrowed? What have you not borrowed? Do you pay your taxes? They collect it, the good, okay. the bad, and the ugly. Okay. And that is a reflection of, no, so a lot of people focus on the score. I have a 602. Well, that that's only one s- small piece. It's all the information And why are they doing it once a week? Is there just so much fraud right now? Yes. Hold on. Tim needs to say something. I just want to say something about the website he's directing people to. It is very important you put the three W's before because if you don't, it sends you to something else. Another one because that's what we, before we had you, Peter, we lost you. And I was like, I think it's annualcreditreport.com. And it took Tim to freecreditreport.com. No, it didn't. If I just put in annualcreditreport.com, then it puts a forward slash and it said foreign location dot action and it's a blank page oh. just as four or four but if you yep. put the w's w- before w- it goes right w- to what he's talking about isn't that funny because yeah. today Ooh. in today's world i feel like you don't use the www all that much anymore i'm not sure maybe, why that sort of disappeared but i'm not sure maybe, why maybe that's kind of archaic but again i'm glad you guys proved the point okay. you gotta type it right and mm-hmm. if you don't you'll be led to a site that looks 99 percent like the original but it's 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 going to direct you to so so is the correct one www.annualcreditreport.com creditreport.com and it looks like there's a black glove on the front page which is very creepy <laughs> it's like black a creepy glove, bl- I don't know about that but anyways yeah. p- once Authorized people get to it um, okay. it's, it really is the one piece of your many tools. So it's not the only tool in your toolkit. So again, back to what I said earlier, depending on why you got into your financial hardship, the credit report is pretty much universally needed for all. I did hear you use the word budget and you kind of uh, said that's a, that's a tough word. Yeah. It is. People don't like the word budget. But there's no way around anyone getting out of their scenario. So I listed a bunch of scenarios before. Yeah. You're broke. You lost your job. You got a divorce. You have foreclosure. You're trying to buy a house. You're trying to buy a car. You're buried in debt. Every one of those is preceded by a budget. You can't get around it. If you don't know what you make and if you don't know where your money's going. Yeah. That's your foundation, and you can't go anywhere unless you know that to start. Yeah. So what are when people pull their credit report, which you said they can now do once a week. Yes. Um, what are, you don't get your credit score, but you can get all your outstanding debts, which is one thing where I, I think people should start in terms of, you know, adding up or you know, determining what are the debts that need to be paid for first um, right. and we you and I can talk about um, you know what's what's the optimum solution is it building cash or paying down debt or both I sort of want to get into that does the credit report show I have to say it's been a long time since I looked at a credit report does it show interest rates on the debt it just shows no. outstanding balance no it what what it will show you is and and this is where you should use a credit report in conjunction with other things okay it will show you that you have five credit cards as an example and here's how you've been paying down on them it shows you the record now in a in a in a good record that somebody would have it shows all these and they do it with different forms but generally a bunch of green dots across january february march april may june that shows you've been paying it right along if you miss 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, they mark that. Okay. They, they keep records of it all, and it's for seven years. Now, here's one good thing for people, that as time does go on, the weight of the bad stuff decreases in its weight. So it's more current stuff in the last one or two years that has the greatest weight. So if you didn't pay a bill back seven years ago, six years ago, that's going to have very small weight. It's like it's dissipating okay. over time. Yeah. If you just this last month, just last two months, just stop paying, 
that has a tremendous amount of proportional weight on your score. Okay. What else does a credit report show besides, uh, so it will show outstanding credit yes. that you have, balances that you owe. It, it shows the full amount of credit that yep. you have outstanding. Okay. It also shows the amount that you have relative to what you are able to have. Yep. So you So there's this ratio between credit available which let's just make up a number. You have five credit cards with 2,000 limit on each. You have a $10,000 available credit. Yeah. The usage part is how much of you actually have sitting on those five cards. And what the industry says to make you look good, it should be 30% or less. So okay. you should have no more than 3,000 across those, three, those five cards sitting on your 10,000 limit. And every time you, you know, so it bet less is better. 2,000, 1,000, zero is better right. to have 10,000 available and nothing used. Oh, wait, say that again? I'm saying the lesser the number, the better. That's the so the less you words, have the, borrowed of your available. Yeah. Of usage. Yeah, what yeah. the ideal person does, I'm just talking kind of an ideal now, is you have a credit card, you use it during the month and then pay it off. You are building up on the one side okay. yeah. a good credit habit. Yeah. You're never paying interest because I... I, I raise up $200 on my Kohl's card, I pay it off before the bill comes. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm leveraging the free use flow to the money for 20 days, 25 days, pay it off. I have nothing carried on my credit report and it should so my Kohl's balance is zero. Yeah. And so proportionally, that's important. And then a second factor that goes with that is age. If I have an old credit card, credit card don't delete it, don't get rid of it. Um, there's lots of reasons not to get rid of it. Age is important. So having my Kohl's credit card from 1999 gives me points. Okay. I, I often get the question, yeah. you know, once I pay this off, should I close yeah. the card? And I, my inclination was no, because you want to have credit available to you to increase your credit yeah. score. It, yeah. it, the answer to that is it depends. Okay. It, should I close them? Well, it depends on a couple things. If you have a card that charges you fees. Yeah. And you have to still pay an annual fee on that just to keep it, which is true. And yeah. things, I think like American Express, I think, is one. Yeah. You have to pay it 120 bucks just to keep the thing. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably not valuable. The interest rates, in one sense, are totally irrelevant. Right. If you, if you pay it off each month, it can have a 25% interest, which is not good. Right. Um, but as you pay it off, fine. You also might find you get, you know, rewards. In general, you're going to get more rewards proportional to the amount of interest you have to pay. And the way that the credit cards make their hmm. money is the vast majority of people don't pay off their balances, carry a balance of three, four, five, six hundred, hmm. pay 25% interest, which is money they're losing as they're so-called getting money on the vacation yeah. side. Okay. Um, we do have to take a quick break. I wanted, I, I have one more question for you in that regard sure. before we, we should get into budgeting, et cetera, and the importance yeah. of that. Um, All right. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're talking about rebuilding your life after a hardship. I'm with uh, Peter Mullen this morning of the American Consumer of American Consumer Credit Counseling. Peter is a financial coach. What do we call you? Financial coach? I'm I'm really a, a community educator. A community educator. Thank you. We share one mind in that regard. Um, <laughs> and we are just taking a quick break. We're going to talk about lots of other interesting stuff when we get back. Be right back. <laughs> 